Hey everyone, I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. I've got some really exciting news for you this week so stay tuned for that. This week's episode is supported by PNW Components and Muckoff and we've got a great competition and a discount code for you this month. There's no such thing as bad weather, just the wrong clothes. And Muckoff are here to help you with their brand new apparel range. They've got riding jerseys, gloves, socks, gilets, jackets and shorts to choose from. The technical rider shorts and jacket really stand out to me as they're using Muckoff's proprietary MOD94 fabric. It's a three-layer, waterproof, breathable and stretch fabric. It's the softest waterproof fabric that I've ever felt and that means they're lovely to wear and they're also quiet when you're out riding so you're not rustling your way down the trail. All the zips are waterproof, the seams are taped and there's clearly been a lot of thought put into the features. Importantly, the jacket's hood is adjustable and it will fit over your helmet but if you'd rather ride without one then that's no problem as it's removable too. It leaves a nice lined collar to keep the rain out and to keep your body heat in. For once, it's been a bit warm here lately, but when normal conditions resume, Muckoff have a nice lightly filled gilet that you can wear on its own or it connects into the jacket using Muckoff's own anchoring system. All in, this setup is going to keep you warm and dry through a wide range of conditions. Oh, and the gloves have fingertips that work with your phone too, which is a really nice touch. To give you a chance to try the muck off range, they're kindly offering 20% off to all Downtime listeners. All you need to do is to use the code DOWNTIME20, that's DOWNTIME, all uppercase, followed by the number 20 with no spaces at the checkout on muckoff.com. It's a single use per customer, so make sure you make the most of it. It doesn't apply to sale items, but it does cover everything else. So hit up muckoff.com and see what you need. Muckoff are also giving away a bike-specific pressure washer bundle, and all you have to do to be in with a chance to win one is to answer one easy question over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash muckoff. That's M-U-C-O-F-F. Head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash muckoff now and enter. You've got until the end of June to get it done. PNW Components really put a lot of focus into what is going on in the mountain bike world, and they use that to inform the products that they develop for us. PNW noticed that the handlebar shape hadn't really kept pace with the move to bikes with longer reach and wider bars, so they set out to do something about it. They've given their range handlebar a 10 degree back sweep and 5 degree up sweep so that you've got a more ergonomic riding position that's easier on your shoulders and reduces wrist fatigue. They've also thought about the material choice, selecting a compliant 2014 aluminium which resembles carbon fibre's chatter absorbing qualities and is a different material than most aluminium bars out there. Combine that with a 30mm rise and the PNW Components range handlebar creates the perfect blend for your most demanding rides. Unlike a lot of products in the bike industry right now, they're actually in stock so head to pnwcomponents.com now to find out more all the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com please make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you listen there's probably a button there that says follow or subscribe so hit that now it's free and it means you'll get every episode as soon as it's available if you can't find a button then you can head to downtimepodcast.com for slash subscribe where i've got links to all the major platforms there to help you So over the last few months, I've been working away in the background with some awesome people on a really exciting new project that I know you're going to love. If you want to find out more, then you can head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP and fill out your name and email address there. And we'll make sure that you're the first people to find out what we're up to. I can't say any more than that just now, but I am really excited about it and I can't wait to share more. So head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and sign up to be the first to find out more.
All right, with the first round of the 2021 Enduro World Series taking place this week, it's time to chat to one of the top contenders. Ella Connolly has been one of the breakthrough EWS races in recent years. Coming from a cross-country background, Ella took the Under-21 World Enduro title in 2018 and has already stepped onto the podium in the elite field. We sat down ahead of the 2021 season to find out more about her. Ella is a rider who does things a little differently and has an infectious enthusiasm for the sport. So, without further ado... Is Ella Connolly. Ella Connolly, welcome to the Downtime Podcast. How's it going? Hello. Thank you. Thank you for coming up here. I think we've spoken about doing this for a while now. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. been a couple of years. I think I first met you at Fort William in maybe in 2018. Yes, I think that was just after, maybe just after I'd, was that my under 21 season, possibly? I think so. When I just started racing EWS, oh, it might have been after the Madeira result. Ah, okay, yeah, that makes more remember. sense. Yeah, <laughs> cool. We'll definitely yeah. talk about that. But yeah, let's let's wind it right back and um, tell us a little bit about how you got into bikes in the first place. So I've ridden a bike as long as I can remember. I have photos of me on a little bike when I was maybe two years old with stabilizers on <laughs> and my baby brother propped on the back. Nice. <laughs> um, See, so yeah, I have a younger brother, and I think. He's part of the reason I've always ridden bikes. Okay. Um, he was always very, very into two wheels when we were growing up. So all of our weekends and family holidays just revolved around riding bikes and having fun, to be honest. Awesome. Um, yeah. So I don't remember a time where I didn't ride a bike. Yeah. And you grew up around here, right? We're, near, we're about, what, half an hour out of Inverness? Yes. Yeah. Born here. I've lived here my whole life other than a year in Manchester. And yeah, it's a really, really nice place to ride. And yeah. yeah. Well, you're straight, you're literally in the forest pretty much here. Yeah. yeah. You can ride from the house just onto the hills. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to drive a bit further to get some proper enduro style tracks now. But uh-huh. when I raced cross country, it was like the perfect training ground. Yeah. Well, and great as a kid, right? I guess, because it's super safe. Your parents can just let you go explore in the woods and yeah. off you go. Yeah. We're in the middle of nowhere. I remember just riding off into the woods when we were kids with my brother to dig some trails and <laughs> b- building some sketchy jumps on the field across the road <laughs> out of pallets and logs. <laughs> Classy. Yeah, good place to grow up. Yeah, definitely. So it was yeah, it was cross country racing really for you, wasn't it, from the from the get go. That was where you you found your passion and your competitive drive. Yeah, I think that's what that's what was available around here when I was growing up. So my brother started racing a couple of local well dirt crits really, so okay. slightly shorter kids races at the weekends and as I was there I thought, Oh that looks kinda of fun. So I watched him race a couple and then I was like, Well, I may as well try try to and I think I I won a couple of just tiny, small local races when I was a kid. Yeah. But that always spurs you on to, to do a bit more and yeah. Progress from there through Scottish and then British races. Yeah. How old would you have been when you started racing then? Like super young? I would say maybe, I don't know, maybe 10, but some okay. some really small races. I actually I have some photos of me racing around with my camel back on, <laughs> a, a big red Mohican strapped to my, <laughs> strapped to my helmet. <laughs> yeah. No, I refused to race without without water in my bag on my back for a 20 minute kids race <laughs> nice you might have to dig out some of those photos yeah I like the sound of that. they're funny <laughs> so yeah you had a fair bit of success right you kind of worked your way up through the scottish and british scenes yeah yeah i mean i i suppose it wasn't always successful my first photo of my i think the photo i have of my first scottish cross-country race um is actually me pushing up a hill like <laughs> i didn't ride around the whole thing but i don't think it took 
too long. I started doing a little bit of training and then, yeah, won a couple of Scottish races. Um, was on the podium, I think, at most of the British national races I did. Fair and plan. then it was Simon Watts, who works for the Great British Cycling Team, kind of came up to me after one of the races and said, you know, you should you should look at our Junior Academy programme and see if you'd be interested. Wow. Um, so applied for that the following year and did a, a testing camp where they were selecting people for the program and much to my surprise got a place on the program <laughs> what sort of testing do you have to do then um so we were we were doing everything well that i guess that was a selection camp okay. so they had more people there than they had places on the program yeah so everything from power up at test to some like technical riding some like timed hill climbs yeah just just to see your riding yeah. and yeah your potential i guess pretty thorough then very it felt very intense it was like I'd never done anything like it before it was a bit of a shock to the season yeah what sort of testing were you sorry what sort of training were you doing at that point then like just getting out for rides or was it a bit more structured so I was with a local cycling club then and there were actually a good group of us who were racing cross-country at kind of Scottish and British level um so I think I was doing a turbo session night once a week with them, okay. um, which was kind of fun, like a whole room, room of us on turbo trainers. Um, and then maybe a couple of other sessions during the week. And there was a coach that would come with us and set intervals. And so, yeah, I'd just be chasing the boys around <laughs> and trying to keep up. But yeah. yeah, I think it set me up well. Yeah, it was clearly working. So what, yeah. what happens then when you, how do you transition into that British cycling program? Do you move to Manchester at that point? No, so I initially got onto their junior program. Okay. So I did two years on on that. So during my last two years at school, uh-huh. I was also yeah I was on that program, and they have camps within the UK. Right. So training camps, kind of week long things during school holidays and stuff, and yeah. then also take you to the Junior World Series. So that's what Junior World Cups were called at the time. Yeah. So I did some international races as well while I was still at school, nice. and. Yeah, they also give you a coach and training program and stuff. And then at the end of that, you have the opportunity to apply for their senior program, mm-hmm. which is the one that's based in Manchester. Okay. Um, so again, I didn't expect to get a place on that. I didn't. <laughs> I didn't really have any notable results as a junior. Okay. So like, I was kind of floating around top twenty. Like, yeah, never really feel like I got. Felt like I got a full, like, good performance okay. out during a race. Yeah. See, I was surprised when they offered me a place. I was just finishing school and I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that sounds like a cool opportunity. Yeah. Um, so I kind of had the option between going to university or moving to Manchester to train full-time as an athlete. Yeah, wow. So I thought that that is an opportunity that you can't pass on. <laughs> Definitely. So how does that work then? Do you get put in a house with like other athletes or do you have to sort your own stuff out? Yeah, so they, they provide a house Um so I moved into a house with two or three other athletes, mm-hmm. but across disciplines. Okay. So I was I was li- living with Evie Richards. Ah, uh, nice. And then also living with a couple of track sprint girls for a while as well, which cool. was really interesting. And yeah. you get to meet like riders across all of their programs and all of the disciplines and ride with them, hang out with them. So yeah, it was it was a nice setup to be honest. Yeah, that's cool. What year would that have been then? I think. I maybe moved there at the end of 2016, Okay, I think, and then was there through 2017, uh-huh. I think was the year that I was racing yeah. World Cups. 
yes. don't know. I lose track. That wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was they just. They, I'm just thinking about Olympic cycles. They ju- they just come out of an Olympic cycle. Was it Rio 2016? They must have done. I, I yeah. should know more about this. <laughs> <laughs> so you're there. You're living with this group of incredibly talented athletes. Like what? What's the structure of the whole thing? Like what are you doing while you're there? Training, training, training. Right. Like it is an amazing setup. They gave you absolutely everything you needed as an athlete uh-huh. um so i had well obviously riding coach gym program so i was going to national cycling center at the velodrome yeah um to go to the gym a couple of times a week we had nutritionists psychologists like everything wow um yeah just living and breathe, <laughs> breathing cycling yeah that's uh, full on though right yeah it was it for me again that was a bit of a shock to the system to go from school and maybe riding three or four times a week to being straight into full-time athlete. Yeah. Yeah. I remember being pretty exhausted all the time. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> it was intense. Yeah. And at that point in your life, what were your kind of goals and, and hopes? I don't, I don't actually remember setting goals. It's funny. I don't remember setting goals to win races. I don't, I don't think I ever actually believed that I'd win cross country races like I was having a good time and I was enjoying the whole the whole process of moving out and moving down to Manchester. Yeah. But I don't think in my head I'd set firm goals of being like, that's where I want to go with cross country. Okay. I think I was progressing doing the training and stuff. But yeah, as I said before, the racing, I it never quite clicked and never felt like I was performing well. Interesting. Yeah. And yeah, you, you obviously, I guess through that program, you get pushed towards World Cup. And uh, yeah, it was 2017. I think you went to race U23 category at the at the World Cups. Tell us a little bit about that experience, because I mean, you're still pretty young at that point. It must feel pretty wild sitting on a start line at a World Cup cross country. Yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty intimidating. I think <laughs> I think I was 18, and I was obviously gridded at the back because I didn't have any points to grid me further forward. Yeah. So there were there were so many girls like rows and rows of girls in front of me, and as soon as as soon as the whistle blows, they use a whistle or a gun. So I again don't know. Why don't I know this? <laughs> you were there. I, I know, yeah. <laughs> um, but as soon as that goes, the, the pace, the speed, like it's so so hard to move forward. So again, the first couple of under 23 world cups I did I was just rolling around where I was gridded and right. eventually you get to the point where they know you're not going to move forward yet to get pulled out the race so that the uh, leaders okay. don't lap you <laughs> wow that's pretty harsh yeah yeah so it took me it took me a good few of those to really get into it and then it wasn't until maybe I don't know if it was a third or fourth round of the year in Andorra yeah and that was where I had my first solid performance yeah it was 18th right yeah yeah which I don't think sound sounds amazing, but for me that was quite a big moment. It was the first race where I did feel like I was happy with my ride and uh-huh. I'd ridden like I knew I could. But again, I on the climbs people were coming past me, and then on the descents I was passing them, so okay. it wasn't quite the right right way around for a cross country race. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I was having to find some creative lines to get past people down the descents, and it was that point I was like. I'm not sure. I'm not sure I'm doing the right discipline yeah, am I here. In the right place here. Yeah, because you didn't complete that cross country season, did you? No, no. So it was actually a few days after that result in Andorra, and about a couple of days before we raced the next World Cup in Lenzerheide, British Cycling sat me down and said, "You no longer have a place on the program." 
Wow. Good timing. That's nice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was ideal. So Brutal. So how's that decision made? What do they do they performance. Right. Performance. So they give you all of these resources, everything you need to perform, and yeah. they want medals right now. Uh-huh. And I just that wasn't where I was at. I think I think I could maybe with more time I could have done that, but I was maybe at that point I'd been on this full time program for eight months. Mm-hmm. And that wasn't enough to be winning medals. Like I'd need longer than that. Yeah. Um. But I think they could also see that I wasn't happy and wasn't enjoying it. Okay. So for me, when they when they said that, when they said you no longer have a place, there was part of me that was disappointed and like, obviously it's a bit of a slap to the face and you're yeah. like, oh my goodness, what am I going to do? <laughs> and also, I don't know, you feel like you failed a bit. Like yeah. you've been given this opportunity and someone turning around saying you're not good enough. But... At the same time, there was a bit of relief there. Like, mm-hmm. I had known for quite a long time that I wasn't enjoying the races. I'd be rolling around races being like, you know, I might stop after this one, which like, you, you shouldn't be doing. Yeah, it's not, probably not the right mindset, hey? <laughs> yeah, so there was, there was a bit of relief. When they, when they said that, I was yeah. like, oh, okay, I don't have to do this. And again, I, I'm a bit of a fighter. Usually when someone tells me, you're not good enough, I want to prove them wrong. Right. But... When they said that, I knew, like, I was like, okay, yeah, no, that's actually the right decision here. Okay, cool. So I raced Lens, I had the next weekend, punched it on the first lap, I think, and I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm done. That's enough. And that was that was the last cross-country race I did. Fair play. So were yeah. you enjoying, obviously you weren't enjoying the racing side of things so much, were you enjoying being on the programme, though, like all the training and the structure and, and how that setup worked? I loved that side of it. So okay. I, I loved the training. I loved living with other athletes. Um, I loved all the resources. I loved the travel, like the travel opportunities they were given to yeah. go to races, to go to training camps. So yeah, during that year we'd we'd done a, a camp in Belgium. So I'd raced a couple of cyclocross world cups. Oh, I nice. we'd done a camp in Mallorca, I think at the. I think it was still still Team Sky then. Okay. So at their big hotel there. So like all of those experiences were amazing. And I, yeah, I, yeah, I enjoy training. I like that structure. So that side of it was great. It yeah. was it was just the racing. It wasn't for me. Yeah, that's fair <laughs> yeah. enough. So yeah, you get you get dropped from the program, which is fairly harsh. Um, yeah. Still very young. Like what what did you do at that point in time? Like how did you kind of sit back and go, right, well, where do I go from here? Because I guess you've got a lot of, you could, try and get into university at that point, which was an option before by the sounds of it. Or, you know, how did yeah, how did you think about that? It's a big it's a big thing to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, there was a moment of what am I going to do in my life now? <laughs> <laughs> Slight panic. Um so at the point that British Acting told me I no longer had a place, Tracy Mosley was actually sat in the room with us. Okay. So she'd been coming to some of the cross country world cups to give us a bit of technical guidance down mm-hmm. the courses. Yeah. And as soon as the British cycling coach said it, Tracy was like, I think you should try some enduro. So like within an hour of them telling me, Tracy was knocking on the door of my room being like, can I enter you for these enduro races? Like, <laughs> I'll get you into Ardrock, I'll get you into a Tweed Love race. And then you should race in EWS. And I was kind of like, oh, well, well, give me a second. But yeah, okay, yeah, let's let's try. Yeah. Like I knew at that point I was going to have to move home and find something else. And I was like, I want to continue riding my bike. Um, and I'm competitive and love racing so <laughs> to me that seemed like a good option um, so yeah I think she was the one who p- 
pushed me a little bit in that direction and said, you know what, I think you'd be good at this. That's cool. And you yeah. da- you dabbled a little bit in some smaller enduro races, hadn't you? Like, I think 2015 was maybe the first one that you did. So you had a little bit of, I guess, experience in that side yeah. of racing. Yeah, by that point, my brother was actually racing some enduro for fun. Okay. So I'd gone to a couple of Scottish enduros at the end of each cross-country season. Yeah. Yeah, as a fun race at the end of the year. But those like the previous years I'd been on like a borrowed bike or a rental bike that like, I didn't own I didn't own a full suspension bike <laughs> yeah so yeah they were just fun fun races at the end of a season but I guess I or- I knew I already enjoyed it yeah yeah and what was the first enduro that Tracy got you into then was it hard rock that was hard rock yeah, yeah. and again I knew nobody that raced enduro I right. didn't really yeah I didn't really know anybody that didn't ride cross country so I just I drove there myself rocked up like with a bike in the back of my car and, and rode the whole thing like a cross-country race. Okay. I, <laughs> it's a big, was, it's a pretty big loop. Yeah, but I, I was pedaling past people on the climbs and they are like, what are you doing? Like, chill. We're here for a fun day out. But yeah, I think, yeah, I won that. Yeah. And the Ben, the owner from Bird Bikes, actually got in contact after that. Right. Because um, I, I had a second-hand one that I'd bought, yeah, to, just for a bit of fun. To, to ride some local trails on and he got in contact and said oh we saw you won would you like a bike like a new bike to ride on nice. I was like yeah sure <laughs> so I think that was that was the first kind of type of sponsorship I've had as well so yeah that was quite a big moment for me awesome yeah and you raced your first EWS at the end of that season right was it finale yeah yeah so Tracy yeah, then got in contact with EWS after I'd, I'd raced that and a Tweed Love race mm-hmm. and said look can, can Ella have a spot at, in finale yeah, and they <laughs> so again, I just headed headed off to this race with my friend Martha. Yeah, had already been had come through a similar process through cross country and uh, switched to enduro. Yeah, so she she essentially took me to that race and sh- showed me the ropes. Was she a year or so ahead in that switch then? Yes, so she was a year older than me, but also didn't go into the senior program. Uh, okay, so finished after the junior program. Right, got you. Yeah, so went out to finale and had my mind blown. I was like. <laughs> no way no way do people do this as a job like this is so much fun (laughs) like they're eating ice cream and pizza before the race and just hanging out and the riding is amazing and yeah there's a beach at the end yeah yeah it was just so chill and like such a good vibe i was like yeah i like this i'm sold (laughs) yeah quality and you did you did pretty well yeah yeah no so so i won that i won the (laughs) under 21 race crashed every single stage i think i was a bit, a bit frantic i was like uh, yeah i don't i don't think i went to win but i always want to do like my best yeah so I was pushing pushing down every stage and i remember having the silliest of crashes but <laughs> yeah yeah there was a, again winning's a good feeling yeah I bet. and i was sold that that was all i needed you were in yeah went home after that and said right how can i sort out i want to race a whole series next year how yeah. can i sort that out and how so, did you sort that out? Because it's it's a huge expense, right, to be able to go and do a, a full EWS season. Yeah, yeah. So I sat down, made a huge spreadsheet of all of the expenses I had for travel, accommodation, the lot. Worked out how much I'd need for a budget, and but didn't really have any contacts in the cycling industry, uh-huh. so it was hard. I, like I didn't I didn't know where to go. Um, spoke to Bird Bikes a bit, but I don't think they had the budget to yeah to give me any financial support and then got him and then got put in contact with Clive Gosling at CSG Mm -hmm. um who works with other Cannondale riders um in the UK 
and he said I kind of explained what I wanted to do and what I had done and he said yeah here's a bike and a little bit of financial support and I was like oh thank you <laughs> I, again I was surprised like I was going to people like I hadn't really done anything like I'd uh-huh. just switched from racing cross country I'd done one EWS and here's this girl popping up I want to race the whole series <laughs> and again I was still under 21 so for a brand I don't think there's there's necessarily a lot of exposure in that yeah, still okay. like, yeah. so I, I wasn't really expecting expecting that support so they gave me a little bit of financial support and then I also worked in a cafe all of that winter to, to fund the rest good effort yeah you yeah. must have put some hours in to fund an EWS season yeah yeah and didn't have time to ride my bike so I was maybe I think I was working maybe five days a week uh-huh. but th- I wasn't given lunch breaks or food nice so it was it was pretty tiring so I got to the end of each day and like had no energy left to ride my bike so I think I rode once a week, possibly, while yeah. I was doing that. Which is not ideal training for something that I get, like you'd want volume, right? It's big hours on the bike, like back-to-back days. Yeah, I'd want volume and more time to get used to trail riding. Like I'd still okay. only just finished cross-country, so I probably could have done with a lot more time to, yeah. to work on my descending skills. <laughs> um, but I was still kind of riding on the back of that cross-country fitness. So I came into next season, I think, still feeling pretty fit from that like okay. I'd had such intense training and I think I needed that time to really switch off like I had fallen out of love with riding my bike a little bit through the cross country so like yeah. it did give me a bit of time to really yeah get that back nice and uh that season went all right didn't it yeah 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 again again we're a few races into season and I was like oh this is going quite well so yeah I won every under 21 race through that season which did you, was did you start to feel the pressure at any point like you're leading the series there's that opportunity to be the kind of overall mm. winner did it start did that start to creep up on you or were you just enjoying it too much only pressure on myself so like yeah. I wasn't I was enjoying it so much and still by then I didn't have loads of support and like I don't think people really knew who I was like I think it maybe grew through that season but oh. still it was only pressure on myself like I I enjoy that feeling of doing well and like having a good race. So yeah. I think that's the, the only really pressure I felt was me wanting to continue winning. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. That must have felt pretty yeah. good though to take that like first full season, only having done one Endurance World Series before, not really having trained. Yeah. You yeah, must have no, been happy felt, to walk away with that. It felt really cool. I think especially there were some fast locals at each race as well. And each time I was like, oh, who are you like? How's this going to go? But it felt really good and really, I think it showed me that I'd done the right thing and that switch from cross-country to enduro. I was like, yeah, no, this is yeah. this is what I should be doing. Going in the right sure. direction. Yeah. yeah. And did that yeah. did that change anything with like sponsorship and support? Did you get more attention after that? Yeah. Yeah. At the end of that season, I had quite a few teams and oh, like okay. sponsors coming to me, which was cool. Yeah. But Canada had been so supportive. Like they actually gave me, I started to run out of money during that season um so the first chips trips of that year were Chile and Colombia yeah and that cost a little bit more than I think I'd maybe budgeted for (laughs) (laughs) and then it got to the point where Whistler was in a month and I was like "Mm, I don't think I can go to that I think like we'll we'll rule that one out for this year it's my first season I can miss one race yeah and then yeah Cannondale heard about that and they were like no, 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 what do, you, what do you need? We want you to go. And I was like, oh, sweet, okay. Nice. So yeah, they helped fund 
a bit with a bit more funding for that yeah. trip, which is really cool. Nice. So yeah, like people came to me and were speaking to me, but Canada had been so supportive. They were like, ugh, there wasn't there wasn't any competition for that. I think when you know a brand and they've been like that, it, yeah. You, there's no reason to want to change yeah fair play did you get other brands on board coming into that 2019 season did you get a bit more support yeah yeah so I hadn't that was the first year again I'd really had spon- a sponsor yeah so but other than that I was riding a hand-me-down kit from people like <laughs> at one point I was racing in a size large men's jersey like nothing I had was from a sponsor other than my bike yeah um so the following season I had Endura for clothing and yeah, a couple of other like, people giving me some product. Yeah. So yeah, it did. It started to grow after yeah. that. I think once I'd done a few more races, it was a lot easier to go to people and ask for some support. Definitely, yeah. yeah. And did it? Did you get to the level where you didn't have to work in that off-season or were you still having to put in some graft to get the money in? The following off-season, I did... I did a few random jobs, so something, things like slightly less committed okay. than the than the cafe work had been. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so in that the evenings, I'd do some office cleaning and stuff like that, rather than yeah, a full time okay. job. Yeah, um, yeah, and then yeah. stepping it up into the elite category for 2019, 2019, yeah, 2019, and um, it started off pretty well, didn't it? I think it was Road to Rue the first round, which was horrifically wet if I remember right yeah pretty wet pretty wet pretty slimy and there's, yeah. a, there's a lot of roots there again I think I started off that season I went out a bit early to New Zealand and did the NZ Enduro uh-huh. which that rained like nothing else <laughs> and you come <laughs> from I, Scotland I felt at home yeah I was like yes no I can do this <laughs> that's great for me um and then yeah into the first two EWS of that season during that trip as well and yeah, I think I was 12th in Rotorua, but I don't know. I was a bit disappointed. Like, okay. I didn't, I rode smoothly, but I, d- I hadn't known what to expect at all moving up from under 21 into elite. Yeah. And then the following, the following race in Tasmania, I think 11th. Yeah. So again, I was kind of like, oh, and I, I had no idea how I'd feel going to that season, coming from racing every uh-huh. under 20 coming from winning every one of the under 21 races going into elite, I didn't know if that was going to spur me on or go like, Hmm, like, yeah. So it was interesting, but I came off those races like, Oh, you need to go home and, and work. Like you, it made me want it so much. Yeah. And again, that was another point where I go like, yeah, this is really what I want to do. And unlike the cross country, it clicked. I was like, I want to win this. Like, yeah. Fair play. <laughs> so yeah. What, what did you do when you got back then to try and kind of get, stronger and fitter for the rest of the season so i sat down actually after tasmania at the airport before we left with my friend mops <laughs> <laughs> and uh, i think she'd done a bit of coaching and stuff before and i kind of asked like what would you recommend i had no idea how to train for enduro like i could have gone back and done yeah. some of the stuff that i'd done for cross country but she gave me we had i think we had five weeks after that until the following ews in madeira yeah and she kind of gave me one specific set of intervals to do a couple of times a week and ways to make them more progressive. And she okay. was like, go home and work on that because there wasn't lots of time. Yeah. So it was good to stick to one small project to work on. Wow. So yeah, I went home and did, I think some 30 second sprints. Yeah. With how much, with a good rest in between? Yeah, or? with a decent rest in yeah. between. So like yeah. hard 10 out of 10, 30 seconds. Yeah, and then flat a, out. Yeah. And again... It, yeah, the first training I'd done since I'd stopped 
racing cross country in 2017. So like wow. in a, maybe two years is the yeah. first real training I'd done. But I was so ready for it. Like that had been enough to like really enjoy riding my bike and start to find that balance between training and racing again. Yeah, so, ready to start suffering again. Yeah, and I was very ready for it. Yeah, so you felt better going to Madeira then, I guess. More- I had no, I didn't know what effect that had had. Like, okay, I guess I hadn't done that much training. It was five weeks of some sprints. Like I, I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> and I think through that, yeah, Rocky off in Madeira through that year, travel was quite stressful. Like I was too young to hire a car. Uh, so yeah. me and my friends were just trying to work it out. Like I was traveling with Martha a lot still, but we were having to work out on a race by race basis, like working out the travel and stuff. So I'd kind of have, a bit of time before the edu- each race that was a bit stressful yeah. and then I'd rock up and be like oh okay we're here <laughs> <laughs> yeah um but yeah no I think those intervals helped a bit you know <laughs> okay yeah and Madeira is a pretty unique place isn't it it's like the, the terrain's pretty varied the island itself is like nothing else it's amazing yeah it's pretty yeah. special isn't it I'd love to go back it's such such a beautiful place we spent the week leading up to the race, like driving around a little bit, going to some cool waterfalls and beaches on the other side of the island. I was watching other riders, they were going off riding. I was like, <laughs> this is like a tropical holiday. Woo! you? <laughs> Living the dream. <laughs> yeah, no, it's real good. <laughs> so you're, yeah, you're obviously relaxed and comfortable in coming into that race. Like you weren't, you didn't sound like you were stressing about it. No, I, I wanted to perform better, but I've learned myself that putting that pressure and focusing too much on a race doesn't help me okay. like I do a lot better in a race when I'm quite casual about it chilled out yeah and then really focus just over practice in the race like I knew if I chilled out I think that would that would help a lot um yeah yeah but during practice actually I loved the riding but I was like how am I going to race this like it was really really dusty deep Uh dust and again not something I'm used to riding yeah so it's hard to know how to push through that and but yeah it clicked during the race yeah it definitely (laughs) did didn't it yeah talk us through it because you I mean it wasn't a perfect like set of stages I think your chain came off on one of them didn't it and yeah you had a few issues so I think what changed at that race was in Tasmania, Sven Martin had walked up to me after the race and be like, Ella, what are you doing? <laughs> and I kind of went, hang on, what? And he was like, you're so chilled. You're just riding. You're not, you're not pushing. You see all the other women, they're really aggressive. They're on the edge. Like, that's what you have to do to pull me. He was like, you're a great rider, but you need to push. Like, you can't just ride down these stages smoothly. That's not enough. Okay. And I think that's what, like, really had spurred me on in Madeira. I was like, right, okay, we'll push and see what happens. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. I've just forgotten what you, the question you asked. <laughs> how, yeah. How did it go? Cause you like say, yeah, chain off in one stage, Yeah, but you still took third overall that, that, that weekend, which is an incredible step up from like 11th, 12th. Yeah. Yeah. No, we had a few, few challenges that race. I think I overtook people on a couple of the stages as well, which is an interesting one <laughs> down a really dusty stage when you're like a few seconds back and then dust is kicked in your face. But that pushed me on. I'm like, okay, I must be going all right if I'm catching the people in front of me. Yeah. And yeah, after the first day, I was in second and I was shocked. Like I got to the end of the day and it was a two day race. So yeah. like I knew I still had another day that I had to hold all together. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, I couldn't sleep that evening. <laughs> and then, yeah, second day, I think it was the second to last stage, quite a long stage, about a third of the way down, my chain came off and out of my chain guide. Uh. 
and I was like, okay, that's it, that's over. But kept pushing, kept pushing. My uh, cranks were stuck like up and down, <laughs> not level. Oh, so I was, no. and my chain had wrapped in a ball around my mech, so that was just dragging along the ground with my cranks, yeah, upright. It couldn't be much worse. No, <laughs> but again, I had been doing so well. I was like, bugger it, let's keep trucking, let's go. <laughs> and I got to the end of the stage, and I, like my chain was like all bent and like jammed around my mech, and I was like, is this race over? I don't know. Um, but got it sorted, rode to the next stage, had a quick check of the times. So I was like, how much do I need? And to much to my surprise, I was still in third or fourth, I think. Yeah. And just went all out the last stage, like balls out. Like, I don't think I've ridden that flat out, no <laughs> braking, just go. And got to the bottom and people, I think people were surprised as well. Like, I hadn't expected to come into my first year elite and yeah, get a podium. I was shocked. <laughs> That's incredible. It must've felt amazing standing on that podium. It was insane, but I don't think I was ready for it. Okay. Like I hadn't, I hadn't put in lots of work. So I think I was shocked and it took so long to process it. Like I, yeah, I really wasn't expecting it already. I was like, yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that was you, a cool feeling. Yeah. Bumped, I think it was Fort William that year. It must've been. And you were like, yeah, I don't even go to the gym. And I was like, you're joking <laughs> I didn't I hadn't really done any training during the winter just rode for fun yeah yeah then did a few sprints a few weeks before <laughs> yeah you must yeah. you must have been starting to think that you've got a pretty good chance of doing well in that discipline by then like if you're getting a third place I mean that that the top women are training super hard and yeah okay you've got this cross-country fitness but it's a couple of years since you were full into that and like you say yeah just a few sprints and you're coming third you must have been you must have been starting to think you had a really good chance. I was stoked. I'd like, at that point, I knew I'd found exactly what I wanted to do. And I think that was the point that, yeah, it definitely clicked and I started to believe that I could do it more. Yeah. Like I, during Rotary and Tasmania, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, yeah, no, I could do this during my life. And then um, at that point, I really like believed that I could do well. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, nice. so that was good. Yeah. And so you followed that <laughs> yeah. up. It was Val de Fassa, wasn't it, after that, I think? Yes. Followed it yeah. up with the sixth. But again, I was disappointed. But not not with the result. Like, if someone had told me at the start of the season, you'll come sixth during an, an Enduro World Series, I would have been like, sweet. That's amazing. Like, yeah. I'd be really stoked with that. But I was so disappointed with my riding. Like, okay. It's so not, not the result. Like, my riding, I was like, no, I can do better than that. Was it, um, was it messy or you weren't pushing or Yeah, what? a bit of both. I didn't, okay. yeah, I didn't really feel like I pushed enough. I had a puncture at the top of the last stage and again, it was a really, really long stage and I, I didn't know what Kushkor was at that point. <laughs> <laughs> so I was going along the first ridge doing a long stage and my rim was hitting off the ground and I was like, but again, kind of those challenges really pushed me on. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you may as well go and see what happens. See, I think that that was my best stage of the race with a with a flat tire. Nice. <laughs> Sometimes it just just takes a bit of a challenge, something extra to yeah, really push Fire me. Fire you up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So again, after that, I was really hungry. I was like, okay, we have another opportunity next weekend. I'm really ready for this. Like, I felt I felt like I was I could ride well. I was in a good place with my riding. Yeah. But it all changed a bit during practice in Lesor. Yeah, I was going to say, what happened? Were you, were you pushing particularly hard? Was it an unlucky thing? What what went on? So, yeah, during practice, we were just riding around with a few friends. I saw a group of riders stopped during, like on one of the stages to have a look at things. So I walked down to have a look at this rock garden. Saw quite an obvious, obvious line through it, watched some people ride it. 
pushed back up to ride it and then a few other riders went before me I went and my front wheel just dropped off this rock and I went huge front flip over the bars like full on belly flop onto the rocks and I was like that that's bad I hadn't really had many huge crashes before then and I hadn't had any injuries and I was like no that's not good but one of the rocks had moved from when I'd, it was like a man-made rock garden. Right. So it was, in, it was in a bit of a field and rocks had all been put there. But one of them had moved from when I'd looked at the line to okay. when I rode. Yeah, so yeah. shit happens, doesn't it? But it was it really, does. it was really frustrating. Like I knew where I wanted to ride and how I wanted to ride it, but that option wasn't there when I came in. <laughs> and <laughs> so it was pretty nasty, right? You were in a neck brace, airlifted off. Yeah. Yeah. So I can walk and to start with, they thought I'd broken my femur. Wow. I've, and done, I've I was, done that. It's not fun. Well, I was lying there and I was like, I'd know. Yeah. So I was saying, no, 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 it's not, it's not broken. Like I'd know if my femur was broken, <laughs> but they were still, because I, I couldn't move my leg. I just had a huge, huge dead leg and it had swelled up so much that my bag, they had to cut my baggy shorts open to like give my leg a bit more space. Whoa. So yeah, just a massive hematoma, but they were, they were really concerned, I think, because I'd landed full belly flop on the rocks. Yeah. And then, they, yeah, they were strapping me into a spinal board as well and, like, pushing me in. And I was like, no, no, that hurts my arm. Like, don't, don't move it like that. And they were, like, like tightening all these straps that I couldn't move. And I was like, oh! Um, and then called the air ambulance. There wasn't really any way, other way off a huge mountain. Yeah. Um, scary time, right? Yeah, doing some big internal scans and stuff on the side of the hill, like, putting me on a drip. And I was like, Whoa. I was like, okay, I'm sore, but I don't think it's this bad. <laughs> yeah. And then, yeah, chucked me into a helicopter. And it was the first time I'd been in a helicopter. And I really, really wanted to see out the window, but I was strapped into this spinal board lying on the floor. And I was trying to peek out the window, like, where are we going? I had no idea. You're going to get the most out of this helicopter yeah, ride. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, everyone's speaking French. I don't speak French. I right. had no... They wouldn't let anyone come in a helicopter with me. There wasn't space. So I had no idea where I was going. Jeez, that's pretty yeah. scary. yeah. Yeah, they got to the hel- got to the hospital again. No one really spoke English, but they just cut all of my kit off me. Um, did some X-rays and came through and said you've broken your elbow. And uh, oh my goodness, my heart sank. Like I think what, when I crashed, I was so upset, but I wasn't in pain. Uh-huh. Everyone was like, "Are you okay?" And I was like, "I'm fine." But I just knew that that was the season over, and like yeah. I'd been feeling good, and I was so fired up to race. It was like I was just so so gutted, um, yeah. And I'd seen previously a few people breaking their elbows in the past couple of years, and how they'd kind of struggled to get the full range of movement yeah. back. So when they said, "Yeah, you've broken your elbow," oh my goodness, I was, yeah, not nice. No, so what? Not you good. Fly straight home from that, or no? So my family were actually hap- my parents happened to be a couple of hours away in France, and I was oh, meant nice. to go and join them after the race. So I kind of called. I was like. Mum, everything's okay, but I've just been on a helicopter ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they came and picked me up. And I actually stayed around the race to watch. Um, I don't know, I was there. And I have a lot of friends at the races. So I, I wasn't ready to go home. I didn't want to let go of the racing. Yeah. Um, but they put me in this huge, awful car. So like it, it came, extended out the end of my fingers, extended over the top of my shoulder Whoa. and it was so heavy and like was crushing my hand and wrist and yeah 
So I was really, really uncomfortable and quite quite a lot of pain by then. Lovely. <laughs> yeah. A great no. trip. Um, and then actually joined my parents on holiday for a week in France. I didn't, <laughs> I was like, well, what's the point in going home? Like, I'm going to sit and be sad at home. So I may as, I may as well stay here. Um, but then it came, kind of came to light that the hospital hadn't done the right thing with my elbow by putting okay. me in a cast. So while I was around the race, a few riders and team staff came up to me and they were like, what is that? Like, that's not right for the break you have and the bone you've broken. You should be moving it straight away. Okay. Um, so I managed to see another doctor while I was in France and they were horrified. They, they looked at the cast and literally got, got their hands and pulled it off. They were like, that's <laughs> awful. Start moving your arm right now. But I'd been already been in it for a week. Okay. So I'd already lost a lot of movement. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. It became quite a hard, hard injury to deal with and come back from. Yeah. A lot of recovery time. There, a lot of physio and yeah. Yeah, again, never having had a huge injury, I had to work all of that out. Like I didn't, I hadn't had a, a physio that I'd regularly gone to at home. I didn't have any other healthcare. NHS is great, but there's waiting times. And yeah, I think yeah. they're very focused around the public and getting people just kind of back to being able to function, not back yeah, to the level yeah. that an athlete needs to be. So it was tough and still is when I get injuries now to find the right people to help deal with that. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but all of the way through, I still, I knew there was a lot of the season left and still races left. And I was kind of looking at the next races. I, mean, I think it was maybe six weeks later. It was Whistler and North star. And again, I wanted to go. So I wanted to go to California to race the North. Star. <laughs> of course I did. And I'd kind of been planning a little road trip. So I was so focused. I just wanted to heal in time for them. And then, as they started to come around, it kind of, it dawned on me that I wasn't yeah. going to quite be ready. So Disappointing end to yeah. the season, but I guess yeah. it gives you a long off season to get some recovery done and yeah. was training a bit more of a serious thing for you coming into 2020. Yeah. 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 No, it was actually. Um, I sat down and wrote my own training program. So by then I, I still didn't have a coach and still wasn't quite ready for that full like full structure training program uh -huh. again after cross country. Like I was really, really enjoying it. And I, I think by then I was, I was able to train. I have that knowledge from cross country and, and kind of knew what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I sat down and wrote myself a bit of a training program, but it, I don't know. It was still, it was still pretty, ra <laughs> pretty random. I was going to the gym kind of irregularly be like, Oh yeah, it was raining. So I might go to the gym or like it's snowing. I can't ride my bike. Um, doing the same 30 second 30 second sprints as my mate had given me <laughs> well if it works um, but we all we have so much snow and stuff during the winter it makes it makes training really hard so yeah. I remember there was a big chunk of time during that off season that it was just impossible to ride a bike like ice snow it was yeah pretty rough tough winter yeah um and then so I, I don't think I was quite ready to race at the start of that season okay and it was just it was coming to that season. I was like, I'm really ready for a coach now, but obviously it wasn't ideal timing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Not great timing, but at least yeah. if you weren't ready to race, well, we didn't have any racing for a while, did we? So there you go. There you go. Good. Um, yeah, no, I was gutted when those were much, much like every race. Yeah. I mean, there were, there were bigger issues in the world, but yeah. yeah, it was, it was tough to hear that the, the races were cancelled. Yeah. And you picked up a bit, again, a bit more support in that off season. Was SRAM kind of backing you a bit more yes. by then? And yeah. Yeah. No, so I had some support from SRAM, had 
switched up kit sponsors and was working a bit with Rafa, which was cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, so just it's it's grown a bit year upon year, which is a satisfying feeling, like yeah. each season to have a bit more interest and people wanting to have a bit more input Definitely. was really helpful. I'd actually been to a tuning camp with Shram and Rock Shocks yeah. in France uh, just before that season in January. So my bike was feeling mint. That was like the first time that I hadn't been going into races needing to change stuff during practice like the previous years I'd literally been rocking up to a tent and trying to change clicks and stuff like between each practice run which is oh (laughs) not what you want to be doing (laughs) did you learn quite a bit from that rock shots camp then so much yeah and I think it taught me about a lot about how a bike feels and like what you need to change and how compression feels when it's running and rebound like so yeah I learned so much it was a really really cool two days and again an, an amazing opportunity like I'd had one notable result for someone to kind of take me and like believe in me enough to give that opportunity meant a lot I, yeah yeah, yeah nice. was sick. were you out with other big name riders and stuff on that camp so like, was it PLA or something like that pay, pay. I think I think yeah, is how you pronounce so, yeah. it <laughs> yeah that, that's how it's spelled though yeah yeah so the Lapierre team when I was there when I while I was there so they oh. had a whole tent and team of mechanics and engineers and people um so yeah the Lapierre team with Isabeau yeah. and people were there when I while I was there so that was really cool and it was a gnarly track so it was good having them there they were they were able to show me <laughs> <laughs> yeah show me how to ride the track properly which was cool yeah. and then yeah the Trek team was turning up as I was leaving so I was a bit starstruck I was like whoa this is cool <laughs> yeah nice well good opportunity yeah. to spend some time with those riders in a non-competitive environment because I guess For most sure. of the time you just see them at a race right yeah it's funny you say that though because at a race leading up to race everyone's so friendly like it doesn't it does they don't feel like competitors to me until we're racing okay and even then everybody's still riding around helping each other out having a good chat on the transition so like for me everybody feels like a friend and until we're against the clock but even then you're on your own and not like racing bar to bar so it's a really really nice atmosphere with the riders like really nice yeah especially I never got that with cross country and maybe maybe once you're a bit higher up in cross country it seems like the women get on very well but uh-huh. I I didn't have like friends on the start line the same as I do in enduro which is it's lovely yeah, when you're in cool places yeah. like a long way from home racing yeah. yeah it's really nice to have that that's lovely to hear. Yeah, I always get the impression it's that people are willing to help each other and fi- help fix punctures and all that sort of stuff. For sure, so, yeah. Yeah, that's really no, it's cool. cool. Nice. So yeah, like you said, 2020 race season was a bit of a late start, but we finally yeah. got going back end of August, I think, in Zermatt. Yeah. And uh, it was a little bit Scottish, wasn't it, the conditions? It was crazy. We were sat... The weather had been pretty wild doing practice and it was like quite a slog, real muddy, slippy day. Yeah. And then, yeah, then it got to race morning and we opened the window and it was snowing. And we were like, oh my God. I think we opened the window and we were like, bugger. Like we've just, all these races have been cancelled. It's now snowing at the top of all the mountains meant to be racing. I thought there was no way they were going to be able to hold a race yeah. with, the, with that weather. So I was really, really impressed. Gradually stages started being cancelled. So, But I was really, really impressed. They managed to still hold a race through COVID, through that weather. I was like, fair, fair play. Yeah, Thank you. For, yeah, Definitely. Th- thanks for providing something for us. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah. how did you get on? How did, how did it feel from your perspective? Again, I didn't have a race that I was necessarily proud, 
proud of. Uh-huh. I don't know. I felt like I was riding well and able to push, but I had a couple of small mistakes. But I think when the weather's like that, it's so hard. So many people make those mistakes. Yeah. But that's hard to remember why you're racing and you make a mistake and you're like, oh, no. But I think that that's what's amazing with Enduro. You can make a small mistake and you have time to come back from that during a race. True. Like the stages are so long and we usually have so many stages that, yeah. Yeah. As long as you can keep your head cool, it's like, yeah. But only two stages that weekend, actually. So there's a little yeah. less margin for error, I guess. So that makes that result even better considering you, you made some small mistakes. Yeah. No, I, I was really, really stoked to end up on the podium there. Like so long without racing after breaking my elbow and then COVID. It had been a pretty long time yeah. since I'd raced. Yeah, yeah, over a year, right? Must have been. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so to come back and be on the podium, like, I, I had no idea where I was going to be. I'd, had a really, I'd actually had a really good summer riding at home and then spent a big chunk of time in Morzine uh-huh. with Martha again and, like, and a few other friends. And I, I was feeling up to pace. I was feeling really good on my bike. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was satisfying. And yeah, by that point, I'd felt like I'd put in a bit more work and mm. almost earned it a bit more. Yeah. So that felt as good, if not better, as the Madeira result. Like, yeah, I was so ready for that. Nice. <laughs> it was really cool. That's cool. And we had two more races on the calendar, um, sort of all finale way. But yeah. unfortunately, you weren't able to race. Yeah, no, that was that was tough again. Coming off a result where I felt like I could even ride a bit better, I w- I was oh, I want another opportunity so badly, <laughs> but we got yeah, we got caught up in a bit of a COVID quarantining mess, which mm. was really really sad. Yeah. So I was in finale in an apartment for the two races in finale and Pietra, watching people and hearing people riding out to practice in the stages seeing on social media people be like oh yeah i'm having such a great time I was like, oh no. no yeah i really really wanted to be out there getting texts from people being like ella you'd be doing so well here and i was oh. like that's really nice to hear thank you but <laughs> that breaks my heart yeah that's horrible <laughs> yeah so no, you didn't it have really it did tough. you but you'd been you'd been in contact with people that had is that right being in contact but i oh it was a mess i had a, ra- a range of tests and i had an inconclusive result, a positive result, and a negative result. Oh, right. Pass. But you felt you, okay. You tell me. I felt absolutely fine. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> so what, and you, you're in Italy, so the rules were different. Were you? Did you have to yeah. stay inside the apartment? You couldn't even go out for gelato and pizza. Oh, couldn't leave. Yeah. Couldn't leave. So we had some very, very nice people dropping supplies and takeaway pizzas on our doorstep, which was really nice. That's lovely. Yeah. Like that kept that kept us a bit sane, but also, <laughs> oh yeah, no, it was probably it was one of the toughest two weeks of my life. I think actually, like, yeah, being stuck in an apartment while two of the races of that season were going on. Yeah, yeah I struggle struggle with that a lot actually. Yeah, and like, yeah, I don't think I realised at the time. Like, it took me quite a long time, even after after that, to kind of feel full of energy again and okay. stoke. Like, yeah, yeah. Took your fire away for a bit. For sure, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but had another couple of weeks riding, like after managing to get out of that quarantine, had another couple of weeks riding in Europe before heading home and just riding for fun, trains for people in bike parks. Like, yeah. Nice. That was sweet. You went out to Crankworks, didn't you? Yes. Yeah. No. So 
oh it was so good we we just managed to get out and get our negative results in time to go to crankworks perfect and oh yeah no that was really fun the first time i'd raced your slalom first proper time i'd raced downhill yeah and yeah so it was nice to have those those events with no pressure at the end of the season and feel like we could get another event in in time definitely yeah i really i really enjoyed that and i'm gonna try and do some more this year as well yeah you went well you're on your trail bike and you got sixth in downhill 10 seconds behind valley i was again (laughs) i managed to surprise myself quite a lot i think i should believe in myself more but um having just come out of that quarantine and not ridden my bikes for two weeks i didn't know if i was going to race or not i kind of rocked up i was like i was exhausted i mentally exhausted and really just wanted to have fun like i was so stoked to be back on my bike but i wasn't really sure how much i wanted to race so i did i didn't do track walk (laughs) did maybe three practice runs and i was like yeah okay i can ride down that that's fine i'll just chill during the race (laughs) and felt like i had a really really chilled run so like I'd be really interested to know maybe if I had a downhill bike, yeah, or yeah, pushed a bit more, did a bit more practice, yeah. No, it would be cool to explore that a bit more and, and see what, yeah. see what I could do. I was gonna, I was gonna say you tempted to give some more downhill racing a go because that that result, especially if you were taking a fairly chilled approach to it, that's I mean, ten seconds off Valley is very impressive. Yeah, I'd like, I'd like to, to be honest. Yeah. Um, I've never been on a downhill bike, okay. so I I, li- I couldn't tell you how like whether I'd enjoy it. Or, oh, yeah. People speak about how amazing they are, so I, I think I'd enjoy it. But, um, yeah, no, it's definitely but something. Cannondale that's... don't make one, right? No, oh, no, yeah. they don't. You need to get on at them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I felt so good on my trail bike, and there's something to be said for a bike that you feel comfortable and able to push on. Yeah. So, yeah. I'd I'd give us a, a few smaller events a go definitely on my tra- on my enduro bike. Yeah. I think that that's not a bad way to do it to be honest. Interesting. Well, watch yeah. this space. Well, you're <laughs> going to do some more crankworks. You're going to race downhill at crankworks this year on your trail bike? Probably. I don't know, it's a hard one because it's so the first the downhill at crankworks is so close to the to the first EWS, like uh, yeah, okay. it's hard to balance that. Yeah. But I, I am planning on doing it at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> nice one. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah. So yeah, you, did you have an, an injury this off season? Yeah, a small one, a small niggly one. Okay. So it never really, it didn't stop me from riding for that long, but uh-huh. it's been a hard one to kind to totally get rid of. Right. Um. So it was actually the last week I was in in uh, in Europe in Sladming. We had a, a good group, crew of riders and I was actually following, I think I was following Iago, over some jumps and I'd pushed myself so much last summer, riding so many jumps and features that I wasn't comfortable, I'd never uh-huh. ridden anything that size. So we were, I'd been sending some big jumps and slapped me <laughs> and I was so stoked that I could just follow him over all these jumps. Um, but went a bit too big, <laughs> pulled off a jump that I shouldn't, went way too far. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and injured my thumb which has been I think hands are quite difficult mm. um so I had some conflicting advice again when I came home someone put me a cast for a bit yeah just for a couple of weeks and then it's hard to get that movement back when you've been in the cast big time yeah. um but no we're there now so it didn't it didn't ever stop me from riding over the winter okay but it was there for quite a long time yeah but so back on form now yes 
we're fixed. We're good yeah. to go. And the training's Just a bit more structured and a bit more, a bit more of it this this season. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So that was something again. I think I mentioned that the during last season it was like I felt so ready for a coach, but it was a bit of a weird time to yeah. start to start with a coach. So it got to December, and I was like, right, no, we need to sort this. Like, I really, really want to put everything in and see where I can go with this. Yeah, yeah, it felt like an appropriate time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, got in contact with a couple of coaches, and it's been so good. So like, I've had so much structure and done so much training and riding this winter, but and, but it's it's paying off. <laughs> good. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's the fir- it's the first year that I've come into a race season feeling like really fit and strong and like really ready and confident in what I've done. Yeah. So, nice. yes. Have you been doing some testing within that training so you can kind of see your progress or is it just how you feel on a bike? I go mostly off feeling. Like okay. now that the bulk of my training's out of the way, I might start doing some more timing okay. on some trails to start getting that like full on race speed back I think once you're against the clock it like, it pushes you that bit more yeah but over the winter especially when it's so sloppy and snowy and stuff in the Highlands of Scotland it's been it's been on feel and still about enjoying it okay like that's it I know what didn't work during cross country for me and I, I don't want to fall back into that like I love enduring I love riding my bike so like that still has to be the key thing for me during training nice and you've been out a little bit in spain fairly recently getting some training done you got obviously spent a lot of time riding with iago and yeah. you rode with loic and bernard kerr and a few others that must be like cool to follow riders like that and try and learn from them it's amazing like so cool it pushes my riding on so much it was another yeah i think i spent a month out in spain and it was another trip that pushed, like, improved my riding so much. And, yeah, seeing those those guys ride, I mean, I can't keep up with them. I can't quite follow them, <laughs> especially when they're on downhill bikes and oh, yeah, I'm on my enough. enduro bike. Yeah. But just being around people like that, yeah, no, it really, I think it improves you so much. And, yeah, yeah, it's been amazing pushing me over some features and f- following me, pushing me under a bit of pressure to ride faster. Uh, nice. Yeah, it's been really cool and giving me so many tips. So, yeah. Yeah, having faster people to ride with is a very good thing, I think. Yeah, for sure. Following him and his line choice as well, it just, like, it opened up my mind to, like, so many different possibilities. And I think when I'm following and he'll take some crazy high line and I just follow, I just go. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, sweet, I can do that too. And then when I'm riding on my own, I see those lines again. And I'm like, yeah, no, I've done those before. I can... Yeah yeah take some more creative lines which is fun awesome um and yeah i mentioned jumping before that's something i've worked on quite a lot over this winter and really getting out of my comfort zone so they've started leaving more bigger jumps and enduro tracks now which is sweet for a while they taped them out and that felt strange for like a professional rider to not be riding a jump on a track yeah but now they're being left in courses like we have to have that ability there it's only every now and again but there'll be a like a big jump in a course and I want to be able to hit them confidently rather than being like at the top of a stage like am I going to hit it am I not am I I don't know <laughs> is that is that like experience on kind of built jumps helping you with like making the most of like natural terrain like finding little lips clearing sections of trail that that side of things have you For seen sure. that improve yeah yeah so like that ability to pop and pull off like little rollers or find doubles and things yeah and again like watching Iago ride and like the way he finds the things that make the 
trail flow more. Um, so it's, I think it's a combination of those two things has really helped. And I've been riding a few dirt jumps as well. And I think that proce- that process really helps. Yeah. So that's sweet. <laughs> nice. So it sounds like you're very ready for this season to get going. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's the past few weeks. I've just had a solid, solid block of training and, and fiddled a bit round fiddled around a bit more with the setup of my bike uh-huh. so the, the combination of those two things oh it scares me a bit to say it but yeah no i i feel ready to race um yeah let's go itching to get at it yeah, yeah. definitely and definitely do you, do you set goals for yourself or like how do you approach that um so i guess i've i've set targets kind of for this season results wise uh-huh. of where i know i want to be yeah i think for me i want to have a consistent season and prove to myself that i can have the results i've had more like weekend upon weekend rather than I feel like I've had a a few good results, but I want, I want a whole season of that. (laughs) But again, for me, I want to finish the races feeling like I've ridden the best I can ride. I think that's, that's the most satisfying feeling as a racer to know that you've put everything you can into a race. But yeah, I, I do have some results goals too. <laughs> Excellent. I won't ask you to share them because uh, unless you want to. It's ambitious. We'll yeah. just say that. Good. Yeah. It's got to be ambitious. right. ambitious. Yeah. Need a stretch target. For sure. You've <laughs> got to push yourself. <laughs> nice one. I'm looking forward to seeing how it goes. We're, uh, we're getting close to the end of our time, but we'll wrap up with our final four questions that we ask everybody. Oh my goodness. First one of those. If our listeners had 150 pounds to improve their performance on a bike, what would you recommend they go and spend it on? So I would say tires, but I think a slightly different one for me, something that's really, that's changed my riding is finding the right saddle and chamois combination. Okay. So I don't know if maybe this, I don't know if this is slightly different for female riders, but it took me a long time to find the pair that really worked for me yeah. and that was comfortable on big days riding, especially enduro when you're in a saddle for like five, six hours sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's what, what that's have you what ended I'd up say. with? So I have a fabric saddle yeah. and a very nice Rafa chamois and it mm. is the ideal combination. Fancy. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Which fabric saddle do you know? I it's think scoop? it's the Line S. Oh, Line S. So okay. it's a slightly, a slightly shorter tr- saddle, which yeah. I find good for moving my bike around. Yeah. Like it doesn't get in the way. And it's one of the ones that does have the, the channel down the middle. Okay. So like, yeah, you have pressure in the right places. Yeah, yeah. And is it, have you found that just through experimentation? You've just tried loads of stuff. Over the past six years, I've tried a stupid amount of saddles <laughs> and I don't know whether I'm in awkward shape <laughs> or whether it really does sometimes take that long to find the right saddle yeah. or whether it was all the chamois in the first place. Who knows? Keep but hunting. It's taken me a long yeah, time. Yeah. yeah. You got there. Good. Well, you're going to be comfortable this year. You're going to have a way better time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> the winds are inevitable, aren't they? <laughs> yeah. Second question. If you could wind back the clock and sit down with yourself age 16, what advice would you give her? So I, I've said this before recently in an interview, I think, but I'd tell her to believe in herself a bit more. Yeah. I think that's, yeah. Do you feel that you believe in yourself now? Yeah. It, it comes and goes sometimes. I think everyone kind of lacks confidence in something sometimes but yeah no I feel like now th- when it comes to racing now mm. yeah I feel like I'm I'm getting there and do you think that's just a, a, a product of getting older or is there things that you think have helped you feel that way so I was I spoke quite a lot 
with people when I raced cross country because I didn't it really didn't click then like mm -hmm. I as I said I I started these races and, and rolled around at the back I was never I was never there and like racing at the front and people kept giving me all these strategies but I could never manage to apply them during cross country okay so I think it's the racing and enduro has really helped with that I'm now able to apply those uh -huh. to racing and enduro and I think yeah what sort that's of, helped what sort of strategies so the one that's helped me more than anything is I used to start these races kind of very focused on the result. Uh -huh. I'd be at the top being like, I want to go fast. And that that's not necessarily the best way to deal with it. If I'm at the, just visualizing the track at the top of, at the top of each stage, focusing how I ride each corner, like the speed I carry out of the corner. It's a very, very, yeah, focused on the process. Okay. I'm actually more confident in turn because, uh, like I think about how I'm riding that corner and I hit it well and I'm like, oh great, okay, we've carried speed out of that, ready for the next bit. So you've so, yeah. got that monologue going on in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it comes and goes. It take it take it's taken me a lot of time to get there and actually be able to think like that during a race. Uh -huh. But yeah, that's what I try and do. <laughs> Interesting. Cool. The third question, if you could have a coaching session from anyone, past or present, who would it be and what would you want to learn? It's Tracy Mosley has got to be she's like she had such a big influence on me starting and Joan had been so supportive like throughout she's she's always I have all these random questions <laughs> and I'm always like Tracy help please <laughs> um but yeah I, I had some coaching sessions with her for technical uh -huh. stuff while I was racing cross country but actually haven't had any coaching like that while I've been racing enduro interestingly okay but, I think, yeah, that would definitely help a bit because I still ride with people and they're like, you need to work on, on that or tell me quite basic things. And I, I focus on it. I'm like, oh yeah, that really helps. So okay. I think uh, there'd be so much to learn from her. Yeah, <laughs> Obviously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Nice. All right. Final question. What do you do every day that you feel benefits you? Drink coffee. <laughs> How many have you had so far is it today? Is it meant to be something a bit more inspirational than that? Well, well maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How many have I had today? I don't know. Or maybe on. We're just on coffee number two today, oh, right. so we're f okay. functioning quite well. Yeah, quite well. We're pretty chilled still. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something else. I walk my dog. Okay. It's a really, really nice moment to switch off. Like, yeah, just chill out in the woods. Yeah. Nice. Spend time with him. Yeah. I think miss, that really helps that mindset. That, miss that while you're away. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's he's a riot, but he's an absolute gem. And he like there's nothing nothing compares to it, does it, than your dog trotting into the room, stoked to see you even though you saw him five minutes ago. So <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, I miss nice. yeah, I miss those walks a lot while yeah. I'm away. You need to find a dog you can borrow at each venue. Oh, he just needs to be well enough trained that he can come with me. Oh true. I think this if when he gets a little bit older, I think it would be cool if he if he drove out to the races with me. <laughs> well, if he actually yeah. drove, then yeah. he could have a rest. <laughs> Taxi driver, that <laughs> yeah. would be relaxing, wouldn't it? Well, he can go to Tweed Valley, right? That's yeah. not too far away, so you might oh, get him at yeah. that race. Yeah, last no, race of the season. Yeah, yeah, it would be nice to have have a bit of support. I think some of my friends are planning on coming to watch as it's a home race. Yeah, it should be so good. That would be sweet. Looking forward to that one. Nice. Yeah. If people want to keep up to up to speed with what you're up to over the year, where's the best place for them to look? Best place would be Instagram. What's your yeah. Instagram? It's 
Ella underscore Connolly. All right. With one N. Got it. I'll put, <laughs> I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, because we were saying Fantastic. the Connolly spelling is a little bit different, isn't it? So. It's strange. It's always spelt wrong. Every, <laughs> every pink by article, there's two N's. I'm like, oh. I'll try and get it right for this. <laughs> Thank you. Good stuff. Well, it's been super nice chatting. Hopefully we're going to go for a ride if the... The Scottish weather behaves and uh, yeah, yeah I'm looking at the rain just now but we've got to get out there there's no choice when you live in Scotland yeah it's got to be done isn't it? <laughs> for sure cool thank nice you one. very much cheers Ella thanks bye all right that's it for this episode with Ella I really hope you've enjoyed listening a huge thank you to PNW Components for supporting this episode They've got stock of their range handlebar ready and waiting for you over at pnwcomponents.com. So if you're in the market for a new bar that works perfectly with the geometry of a modern bike, then the PNW range handlebar is the one for you. Also, a massive thank you to Muckoff for supporting the episode. Don't forget to enter our competition to be in with the chance of winning an awesome Muckoff bike-specific pressure washer by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash muckoff now. That's downtimepodcast.com forward slash M-U-C dash O-F-F. Muckoff are also offering all downtime listeners 20% off and all you need to do is to use the code downtime20 at the checkout over on muckoff.com. That's downtime, all one word, all uppercase, followed by the number 20. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. Don't forget that if you want to know more about my exciting new project, then head over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP now and sign up to be the first to find out more. You won't regret it. If you want to represent the show, you can get your hands on some of our merch by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop with all the proceeds going to help improve the show. All right, you know what to do. Keep on spreading the word about the podcast. Tell your rider mates and share the episodes on your social media. Maybe also mention that we've got something new coming and that they can find out more by heading to downtimepodcast.com forward slash EP. All of this really helps me keep this thing going and bringing you new episodes every week. Also, if you've got time, a review on Apple Podcasts is really helpful too. All right, we've got another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride. <laughs>